You're listening to the Career Coach Podcast, bringing you information, lived experiences and all-round career conversation. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Career Coach Podcast. I am your host, Sharisha, and today we are talking about transitioning your career. And I don't just mean changing from one industry to another. I'm talking about moving to a whole different country and what that experience is like. So as always, I'm joined by a special guest. So today I would like to welcome to the show, Nadine. (laughs) Welcome to the show. How's it going? Thank you. Good, good. It's a pleasure to come and talk to you a little bit about my journey. Yes. So we've obviously been friends for many years, but even though we're friends, your career journey for me has been very inspirational and I think it's one to definitely share. So could you just introduce yourself and what you do? Sure. So as Sharisha said, my name is Nadine and I work in marketing and communications and have done for the last almost 10 years now. So it's been a it's been a while and it's definitely been a journey. So but enjoyable all the same. So can you tell us about how you first got into the marketing industry? Is this something that you've always wanted to do or is it something that you fell into? Actually, no, it wasn't something I always wanted to do when I was younger, of course. And, you know, you're 18 and you have to start thinking about what you want to do for the rest of your life, which is ridiculous. But anyway, I initially was going to go into law. I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to do entertainment law. I'm, you know, had all these big, (laughs) big dreams of I am going to be a lawyer basically and then that kind of quickly changed maybe because of influences from my friends because we all kind of did the same sort of degrees but I guess I did some work experience and internships and I was exposed to PR and marketing and communications and I decided that actually I like to write and to be honest that's much of what my well, all of my positions that I've had have consisted of me having to be able to find creative ways ways to market a particular product or service or, or whatever it may be at hand so so can you talk us through when you said you did internships at what age and how did you go about getting into those fields well I was lucky because I kind of I mean I like to say that if you want to work in a creative industry it's usually about who you know as opposed to what you know so I was able to do a lot of these internships through my dad who was in the music business so it meant that I could work for a lot of PR agencies and um, and and record labels and, and being able to kind of go in there and, and see how it, it works granted it wasn't what I thought it would be it <laughs> it wasn't fun at all as you can imagine as the intern you're doing a whole heap of stuff that nobody wants to do making tea and you know constructing emails that they're going to chop up later and not use anyway and you know so it wasn't the most enjoyable process I should say or the most enjoyable thing to do um, I definitely stuck at it and it definitely gave me a different insight into a different industry making me think hmm, actually perhaps law isn't where I want to you know got the path I want to go down basically yeah and so what age was you when you did your interns was this before university it was before university and during university so at around 17 I think I did my first internship um, and then during my first year I did a couple too and then after that I kind of lost interest 
because I, I did a degree in media and advertising. So when I got to my second year, I then decided, actually, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was, I wanted to go into social work. And I sat down with my, my tutor, I guess what you would call it at the time. And she was like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you've got one more year left. You need to get your head down and finish because you're almost there kind of thing. So I can't even remember her name, but you know, thank you for pushing me to, to continue. Um, Cause I was ready to leave that course altogether, even though I had a year left and go into social work. And I even went to Goldsmith University and sat the exam and everything. And yeah, then I just kind of said no exactly what am I doing and then I reverted back to my idea of I'm going to work in communication so yeah I was to answer your question yeah anywhere between 17 and 19 I guess and then after that like I said I lost interest so I kind of wasn't into doing any internships and working for free but in hindsight looking back at that period do you think it was important for you to go through that process in order to understand elements of the industry that you was hoping to go into upon you know graduating Definitely. Um, I think if I hadn't been fortunate enough to kind of get my foot in the door early, then I wouldn't have been able to actually see how, for lack of a better term, how how a workplace runs, basically. You know, um, we all have this idea before we actually enter the workplace. We all have this idea as to, you know, how it works. And we see our parents go to, to work every day and come home and probably moan about what they're doing and what have you. So, but until you actually enter that space, you really don't know, you know, what it's about. And um, you get to meet many different people, many different personalities. And so it kind of just makes you resilient in one way. Also allows you to kind of, you know, see if it's going to be for you, basically. Because at the end of the day, when you pick a career at 18, 19, 20, 21, those are the pinnacle years. You're then kind of stuck. For a little while if that makes sense I mean you don't have to be but essentially most people they do a degree in what they're you know what they want to have a career in and then they're there for however many years so it's important to kind of I think anyway to experience that before you actually enter the workforce and with you doing your degree in marketing and communications is it necessary to have like a bachelor's qualification in order to get into that this type of field of work especially nowadays as well yes and no Mm, how do I answer that (laughs) because now I'm jumping ahead of the gun right I say yes and no simply because in the UK I would say probably not and then North America absolutely very competitive they want you to have all kinds of degrees (laughs) for certain positions so you know I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's necessary depending on that's dependent on where you're living, basically what part of the world you're living in. So, But do you find, did you find that your degree prepared you for your career path? Did you learn the skills that were required in order to be successful in the marketing industry? Um, I guess, again, yes and no, because marketing is evolving daily. Do you get what I mean? Like when I first started, there wasn't really a social media platform you know I mean it was there but no one was really taking advantage of it so I was working at IPC Media at one point publishing house many different magazines Marie Claire InStyle Nuts Magazine NME I'm not even sure if they're all around anymore but you know I was working at IPC and at that time I think that's when things such as Twitter and Instagram and 
well, those were the only two at the time, were starting to, to become more important in terms of when you're creating a campaign or a marketing plan or whatever it may be. But before that, there wasn't really any platform. I mean, no one was talking about any SEO optimization on a website. Do you get what I mean? You just built your website and, you know, it's probably hosted on a WordPress platform and, and you kind of just ran with it. But now there's so many intricacies that go into uh, a marketing plan. Of course, you know, dependent on what industry and what service or what products, you know, you're, you're promoting. But, you know, I think that, um, so, you know, you do learn the kind of, you learn the basics and you, you know, you learn the psychology around why people buy or consume certain things. And so you, you kind of get that aspect of it, which is great, but I really don't think it prepares you for what you're going into the workplace to do. Do you get what I mean? So, you know, it, it, somewhat it does get you the knowledge it gets you to the knowledge point that you need to have but after that I think it's just something that you have to kind of dive deep in if that makes sense yeah so in regards to when you finished university how did you go about finding your first job because I know I've spoken to other guests Mm -hmm. before especially coming out of uni so what advice would you give to somebody coming out of maybe university or even if they haven't gone to uni because again nowadays people aren't so quick to go to unis because of the high fees how and what did you do to get mm-hmm. your first job? Well, when I left university, I actually didn't work in marketing and communications, to be honest. Um, I was working for a non-profit, which I enjoyed thoroughly and working with, you know, children within Hackney, East London, <laughs> who were um, deemed, you know, kind of hard to work with, I guess, let's put it that way, in schools and often they were kicked out or in gangs. And I enjoyed that job. But a transition came and I actually found that the job, I actually found my next position was at IPC. Um, and I found that job on Twitter. I can't even remember, you know, what the few lines said or whatever, but I sent my CV over. And I think within like, I mean, I'm not promoting this by any means, <laughs> but I've, maybe the following week I was already in that job kind of thing. So, I, you know, but of course, you know, I'm not promoting that. Do things properly. <laughs> Give your four weeks notice in or whatever. And yeah, I was there for three, three and a half years, four years, something like that anyway. And I worked in many different departments, but always in Markhams. And how was the interview process for you? Because again, if you haven't got the experience, it can be quite daunting trying to apply for a job based upon just qualifications, because especially nowadays, people do want you to have skills, but you can't have skills if you've never been given the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, for me personally, I think doing internships is definitely a, a foot in the door. I know that they can be hard to come by. Um, and like I was saying earlier that, you know, this industry is very much about who you know, as opposed to what you know. So I think, you know, if you really are in a place whereby you don't know anybody who can help you um, or, or, you know, help you network or whatever, then you've got to do a bit of that networking yourself. I always say if you're persistent, um, you know, it, it will happen basically. And, you know, when I was first starting, out they were like I said there was there wasn't really any such thing as Instagram or or Twitter or anything like that so and now when you look at Instagram there's you know a lot of women out there now doing networking brunches and you know all types of opportunity giving out all types of opportunities to network so if that's what your heart desires and you really want to get into PR marketing communications or you know anything of that realm anything creative I would say then um, you have to network you definitely have to network and perhaps even start out freelance show people what you can do a lot of companies now they will prefer to hire someone who you know who's who's freelance 
as opposed to having someone who's there full time. But in regards to at that time, you didn't have experience. So how was the interview process for you? Like what did you do to sell yourself? To sell myself, I'd probably say I did have the internships behind me. So that helped. For me at the time, it really was who you know basically. Um, and like I said, I, I was just fortunate enough to have a parent who already worked in a creative industry. So therefore it was almost like, you know, can I come to this event with you? Or, you know, <laughs> do you know anyone that can, who want to intern for a couple of weeks or whatever it may be? And so that's really how I had to be, what I would say is I had to be very active. You know, none of uh, these internships or networking opportunities fell on my lap. Do you get what I mean? There were times whereby I didn't want to go to a networking event in the evening after uni or do you get what I mean? But I would go simply because I knew what the end goal was. Well, I I didn't know, I wouldn't say I knew what the end goal was, but I knew what I wanted the end goal to be. So I think you, you just have to be really active. And in terms of interviews and selling yourself, just be yourself, be yourself. And I think that in any industry, being yourself will, will definitely, you know, help you. Where did your career transition to after IPC Media? Like when did you think, uh, yeah, I need to make changes or I want to do, you know, different aspects of marketing? Just when it wasn't enough for me, you know, I had been there for almost four years and it just wasn't enough. Like I had different positions within the company, but I was never going to own the company. Do you get what I mean? I was never going to be the CEO of IPC, like you know, so for me, it was like, okay, so what do we do next? Do we continue getting on this Jubilee line and traveling in <laughs> um, every morning? Or do we, you know, see what we can ultimately, where we can go now? And that kind of thought was on my mind, like towards the ending of me being there, that thought was on my mind constantly. And so, um, you know, whilst I was at work, actually, and again, I don't recommend this, but <laughs> whilst I was there, um, I started looking at ways in which I could move to another country when as drastic as that. And, you know, nothing really tickled my fancy, so to speak, until I came across, well, actually, I wouldn't say I came across anything in particular. I just kind of narrowed it down to what countries I could possibly see myself living in and then I kind of packed the fort away in the back of my mind and I left it there but it was always there you know and because it was always there I was never satisfied and so I kind of just saw it as okay I need to do something about this and that's where my transition kind of happened where I just thought okay if I don't do it now or I don't do it soon then I'm going to continue getting this jubilee line and I'm not going to like it that's where it started But was it more you didn't like the industry anymore or was it just feeling like you needed to evolve from that specific job and that company? No, it wasn't the industry and it wasn't that particular company or that particular job or anything like that. It was just a personal decision. You know, I have always been someone that's always kind of wondering, Okay, so what else? Mm -hmm. You know, what can I do now? Or do you get what I mean? I'm never I would say I'm never satisfied. (laughs) Um, I'm always looking at okay so how can we make this better or you know even when I'm I'm writing and I'm you know I'm might be doing some copywriting for a, a website or something and I'm constantly revising the copy for it and just like oh no maybe we shouldn't say that or let me take this word and you know and then sometimes I'm like mm, I've got a deadline to me I've got to submit this it's, it's going the way it is so yeah I think in, in all aspects of my life I'm very much like mm, what's what can I what else can I have or mm-hmm. or what else can I do or you know I'm, I'm never just one that's gonna sit down and just be like all right well 
it is what it is. That's definitely not my motto. So when you decided, okay, I'm not just going to change job, I'm going to actually move across the globe. What what was the kind (laughs) of pros and cons? Where was you leading to? Like, was it, I need somewhere hot or I need somewhere that's, you know, quite westernized, similar to where I'm coming from? What was your thought processes? It definitely needed to be westernized because in my mind, I was literally going to pick up my life from London and I was going to just, you know, take it across the world, basically. (laughs) And I thought it was going to be just as easy as that. I thought, well, you know, how hard can it be? Do you get what I mean? Like North America is not, it's not a third world country by any means, you know, and the opportunities are endless. And I think you know a lot of people think that about about North America in general and so I had the same kind of um thought and I thought to myself well how hard can it be I'm going kind of thing so yeah I I didn't really feel any fear or kind of any emotion about it I had just made my mind up about it and told you know the closest people to me and started to to make it happen make work on it and when you say you you said North America where where in particular in North America did you Mm -hmm. decide to move to I'm in Canada. Canada, I am in, or just outside of Toronto, actually. So yeah, I'm in Canada. Okay, so talk me through the steps, because you said it wasn't as easy as just (laughs) taking your whole house and moving it to Canada. So what was the first, what, what was the first set of processes that you had to begin to make this happen? Well, of course, packing up a whole house. And well, that, you know what? I think the the most challenging part really was the steps I had to take in England. Um, So I initially applied for a working visa. So for those that are not sure what that is. So Canada and England have a reciprocal agreement whereby, um, you know, people who live in Canada can live and work in England and vice versa. And I think at the time, I'm not sure if it's still the case now, but at the time, I think they only released like a thousand or fifteen hundred, something like that, that kind of number a year. So as you can imagine, there are hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> competing for this visa, you know, each year. And they I think they only release them once a year. I don't know. It's such a long time ago now, but I know that it was a. Uh, fairly difficult to kind of uh, well not for me actually but I'll explain that <laughs> I know that it, it can be fairly difficult to to get a visa like I said I did my research I kind of settled on Canada Canada looked like the best place for me um, in terms of being able to kind of transition easily I wrote down and wrote down what it was I needed in order to um, be eligible for the visa and I wrote down the time and because they so basically they released them at a particular time on a particular day, basically. So I was at work and I was was actually going to take the day off <laughs> in order to apply for this visa. But I thought, no, nope. I set up my two screens whilst I was at work. I put my do not disturb and basically like I am not working during this time. Um, no meetings, no nothing. And I had two screens going and I was determined that I was getting this working visa above all these hundreds of thousand people that were were trying to get it as well um luckily I got through first round and then there were a couple of other rounds which I also got through and then I set the date once I had the visa in hand I set the date I was like I'm moving in October okay with the visa in regards to because it can't just be as easy as that what was like fees like what was the kind you said there was a few rounds so like what was those processes what kind of things were they asking you to do or did you have to provide anything um in terms of costs I don't believe it was very expensive maybe a couple hundred pounds 
Yes, I don't have the exact figures, but yeah, it, I know it wasn't expensive. I want to no more than probably 200 pounds. It's probably that what costs more is having to gather all of the documents. So when you initially apply, you get placed into a pool of people, basically. So everybody who gets through the first round, they're now in a pool. And so you're constantly checking your email to make to wait on the next the next round. And then once you get that email, that's when you can start gathering your documents. So you need things like um, a police report and you need things like, you know, where you've lived for the last how many years. Um, obviously, identity such as passport um, and you need to photocopy the passport, like all the pages so they can see where you've been <laughs> in the last. I think it's five years or something like that. Wow. Um, so it, the process is very intense. It is. Yeah, it's very intense. I mean, they basically want to know where you've been, who you've associated with, what you've been doing, where you've lived for the last, I think it's either five or 10 years. It's, it's, you know, a period of time of your life, basically, before you immediately before you applied. So, you know, those things can be a, a little costly to get like police certificates. And, you know, you have to wait on all these things to come as well. Right. So when you apply for your police certificate, I think it comes within like four weeks or something. So, yeah, you definitely have to have patience and you definitely have to, you know, read everything through thoroughly um because when you make mistakes it obviously delays things but you know there are agents out there as well so I hear that you can that will help you through the process also so I mean if you're not confident to do it by yourself and you don't think that you'll be able to you know decipher all of the information because it is a lot of information then then of course you can enlist enlist the help of someone a third party to to help you through it what made you choose Canada in the end like what other countries did you consider you know what it really was North America. So when I say North America, it was it was here, Canada or the States, ultimately. I would say that Canada is probably an easier transition for someone who's coming from Britain. They are, I mean, it's a melting pot. There's so many, I meet English people all the time, especially when I go downtown. I hear English voices all, all the time um, or, or Australian. It's definitely a melting pot of many different cultures and ethnicities and backgrounds backgrounds and and um, there's a huge Caribbean culture here too and you know my background is Caribbean so you know it's if you're looking for somewhere that is um, multicultural then Canada is definitely it it's very cold <laughs> which I didn't definitely didn't factor in when I moved so my first winter here it got to minus 30 and obviously in my life I've never experienced anything like it so that was definitely a shock to the system even now it's still a shock to the system and I've been here a number of years now a pro and and something that I did consider is the fact that it's multicultural and something that I didn't factor in was the fact that it gets extremely cold here and it's it's very I would say it's very slow here too like they still fax and (laughs) you know things like that so but then another thing also was that um you know the healthcare is very much like the the UK the education system is very much like like the UK so there are a lot of things that are similar here so for me you know Canada naturally was a, you know a place that I, I thought at the time well that I would uh, enjoy living in or living at. And so when you decided you know you're going to Canada you've started your visa process in terms of finances what was you thinking I'm gonna look for work before I get there and make sure that's all secure or are you was you just like I'm going out there and I'm gonna see what opportunities lie ahead well the first thing I wanted to do was secure a place in England because in my mind if it didn't work out in Canada and I absolutely hated it then you know I wanted to make sure that I had um 
a primary residence in the UK. Um, so I bought a place and then that's when all of the other things kind of kicked in. You know, I then started to think about, okay, what am I going to do when I get there? Once I secured the place, then I was able to think about what am I going to do when I get to Canada? And, you know, ultimately where am I going to live? I mean, I had gone to Canada once in my whole life and it was for three days <laughs> before I moved to Canada. I didn't know anybody there or here, I should say, no friends, no family. So I really needed to be strategic about where I wanted to live, what I wanted to do and what I thought life was going to look like in Canada. And it's hard to kind of make all those plans when you have never spent a significant amount of time in that place. So I decided that it was, you just have to take a leap of faith. <laughs> I prayed and I prayed. <laughs> a lot of prayers during that time. <laughs> a lot of prayers during that time. And uh, yeah, definitely I took a leap of faith. And I was like, I was scared. My mom and my sister took me to the airport and I was like finding every excuse not to go. You know, I nearly missed the plane that day. I had five suitcases and they were like, where are you going with five suitcases? And I was like, I need all my things, <laughs> So I had all these obstacles before even actually getting to Toronto, right? And I kept telling myself, well, this is a sign you're not supposed to go then. Like, you're not going kind of thing. And up until, you know, getting on the plane, I still was like, no, what am I doing? Like, (laughs) where where did this idea come from? And then I landed at the airport and lost my suit, one of my suitcases, the one that had my iPad, my laptop and everything in there. Um, and again, I'm telling myself like, no, nah, I'm just, I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm going back home kind of thing. But I, I, you know, I persevered. I moved in, literally moved into a hotel and that was home until I found an apartment, established credit, looked around the city a little bit and decided where I was, you know, where I think I might be happy the next few years. And, you know, from there, that's kind of where I just built a life, I would say. Yeah. So you're in the hotel in Canada after you've only been <laughs> to the country for three days in your entire life and <laughs> what is going through your head like wh- what are you doing with yourself and you've lost your laptop and all your gadgets like what are you thinking mm-hmm. I'm just like I've made a mistake <laughs> <laughs> this is stupid <laughs> this is so stupid why have I done this like what was I thinking that I put the key in the door opened the hotel room looked at the two beds tv and I was like why have I done this kind of thing like I was not happy about the decision at all mm-hmm. and you know I was constantly phoning home my mom especially and um you know telling her look I think I'm coming home this is not for me I'm not doing this you know and I'm pretty sure she was getting tired of me calling because you know obviously there's a time difference so I'm calling when she's about to go to bed and she's like and you've got nothing better to do and I was like no I haven't <laughs> I'm sitting in these four walls you know I need someone to talk to talk to me you know and it's funny now because she calls me every day like five times a day and I'm the one saying look I'm working can we wrap this up yeah, yeah. <laughs> call on the weekend or something so yeah I mean yeah when I first got there I definitely thought you know this is silly why have I done this and I and I had that initial thought for months literally so what I did do was say okay you're gonna give yourself a month and within a month you're gonna get an apartment you're gonna get a job you're gonna establish a line of credit and then you can start thinking about you know meeting people and trying to kind mm-hmm. of grow a new network of friends or what have you. that's really all it took just giving myself a deadline 
think I got to the third week and I was getting a little worried because I still didn't have this job and I still didn't have this apartment. And the thing about me is I wanted a particular apartment. In fact, it had to be a condo building and it had to be high up. I wanted this to be on the skyline and I wanted to be able to continue with my career. And I remember my mom telling me as well, like, well, why don't you just take any job for now? And I was like, no, like, that's not what I moved here for. So again, just being really persistent and, you know, just not settling for what you don't want. Like I had my eye on particular things. And for me, that's what was going to happen. There there was no if, buts, maybes, or yeah, anything like that. It was like, well, I'm going to have this job. I'm going to have this condo and this is where I want to live. So I moved downtown Toronto and um, yeah, I had a job that I, I enjoyed doing. So, you know. It all worked out in the end. I mean, I won't say that I knew it was going to work out. Like I said, I got to the third week and I was like, all right, you've got one week to try and, uh, you know, make this happen. Mm. Exactly. And like I said, a lot of prayer during that time. So lo and behold, God came through. So definitely. And uh, and your heart as well, you know, your your mentality to persevere regardless so you was just saying you got the you got your apartment and you got your job in what order what came first so I would say they came simultaneously okay and I say that because I remember interviewing for the job had the first interview and then I had the second interview but whilst I was doing all of that I was actively looking at places so you know I found a place and I went to see I think it was after one of my interviews actually fell in love with it and um, you know by the following week I had paid my deposit you have to pay first and last month's rent here and you know I was moving in with just my clothes and no furniture so, <laughs> and going to work you know so yeah it you know I would say that you know during the last week everything kind of just pulled together mm-hmm. and yeah I was in no time I was like where's the Ikea and you know walking up and down looking for the shop where I can buy a mattress and and at that time I had no data on my phone either because I hadn't I hadn't even thought about getting a um a Canadian phone yet so I had no data on my phone so I was literally using Google Maps and writing down um <laughs> writing down instructions on how to get to places or calling you know getting taxis and yeah it was a lot but you know I think I had to go through all of that to be really appreciative of ultimately where I I ended up I think that deserves a round of applause (laughs) literally no honestly (laughs) because it's just like this is the reality of when you just decide to follow your heart and not be stuck to in a system or a way of living because that's all you've known and I think that's that's why I really wanted to like speak with you especially for this podcast you're listening to the career coach podcast bringing you information lived experiences and all-round career conversation as you're coming to the end of the year like a lot of us are reflecting and thinking about you know our lives and for me life and career I always say it especially like even when I'm coaching clients it's very it's like very interlinked. I think it's hard to separate the two. And especially now with what's happening around us with COVID, I think people are considering so many changes to their career that that even working abroad is becoming a thing now, especially with remote work and stuff like that. So yeah, I think just like hearing your story is, is what we need to hear because sometimes as well, like you talked about social media, which is a part of your role as well in marketing and communications but at the same time so many people show 
the fun side, the amazing side, the, you know, all the good stuff, but they don't talk about the challenges that, you know, they face in these situations. And when they decide to make these, like these big life changing, you know, choices, this is like changing career is one thing, but changing career and trying to go to a whole new country. That's like, yeah. Kudos to you, girl. Kudos to you, honestly. Because <laughs> I remember even those, those times well, we used to speak on the phone and I know, yeah, you was like, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. So the fact that you've, what, you've been there like six years now, maybe seven. Is it six? Almost, almost. Yeah. Almost, o- almost six. Almost six Yeah, years. there you go. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. um, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean. You know what? If you want something bad enough, I don't. I really can't see any reason. When people come to me and they say, "Oh, I don't know how this is gonna work," or "I don't think I can do this," I I just never have that thought process. That doesn't cross my mind. Like I'm so tunnel visioned, you know. And I wouldn't sit here and say moving to another country is the easiest thing in the world, especially when you don't have anything to fall back on in terms of, you know, you don't have a friend or or family or whatever it may be in the country that you're going to and you literally know nothing about the country it's it's definitely not easy but you know it was that or go back England and do the same thing you've been doing you know and that wasn't appealing either so you know I had to kind of just say all right you got a month and this is what you've got to make happen in a month so you know, it, I think it, it's always, it's down to, it's down to your perseverance. Mm-hmm. It's down to how persistent you're willing to be and, and um, how bad do you want it? Whether it's the career, you know, whether you want to work in a particular company, how bad do you want it? Basically, that's what you ultimately, that's what you will go back and ask yourself, right? Yeah. Um, and and if you're willing to to not do anything about it, then that's exactly what you'll get, right? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, that's usually my thought process whenever I'm, you know, going after something. Yeah. One of my, um, you know, favorite motivational speakers, I think that's what you'd call him, Eric Tom- Thomas. Yeah. He always says you've got to want it as mm-hmm. much as you want to breathe. And it's, it sounds cheesy, but it's true, man, because if you try to catch that next, last breath, you know, you would fight your life. So, yeah, yeah you got to have that kind of mentality and that beast mode attitude towards life career what it is that you want to cultivate Absolutely. you know from how you make your money because I always say to many people that I speak to especially with like coaching at the end of the day we spend many hours working and if you don't enjoy it that's a lot of time to be in an unhappy state and this is what affects a lot of our well-being our mental health also affects the way you live because if you're not earning a certain amount of money and you desire these things because there's a difference between like wanting materialistic things for you know just for vanity sake but knowing that you deserve a a, a lifestyle like actually it's not even vanity at the end of the day if you desire it you desire it and therefore, if you desire those things, how are you going to get them? And mm-hmm. sitting down, looking at someone on social media, living their life and then saying I'm rubbish is not <laughs> going to get you anywhere closer to the goal. So it's really about saying to yourself, OK, what is it that I want from life and how am I going to go about it? And like you said, setting yourself goals. And I think as well, one thing that I took from what you said, you was in an, in an uncomfortable position. And I often find when you're in situations like that, mm-hmm. you tend to actually get better results than when life is kosher. You almost sometimes yeah. you put yourself out like to in order to see the kind of the results that you want, because otherwise I think we get complacent. Like it's so easy to say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow because there's no urgency. 
But if you was unemployed and you're Absolutely. in another country and you're thinking, okay, well, there's only so much the savings are going to last. You're going to have to make it work. Yeah. And, you know, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think, you know, like you were saying, you were saying that you were talking about complacency and, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about the days when I went, because I, so I went back to school and I didn't give up on getting my law degree. I ultimately went back and got it. Um, and I remember how much I had on my plate during that time. And I would go to bed, you know, after studying and, and you know, got exams and writing essays and what have you. And mind you, this is 10 years after I got my first degree. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, why have I, I had the same thoughts that I had when I entered that hotel room for the first time? Like, why have I done this to myself? Like, who do I think I am? <laughs> what foolishness is this, you know? But I wanted it and I wanted it bad. So going to bed at like 2 a.m. and setting the alarm for 6 a.m. to go and take your exam downtown at the British Council had to happen. Mm. And I had to do that for how many weeks straight until all my exams were over because I wanted it badly, you know? So there was there was no if, buts or maybes about it. So yeah, I definitely agree with you when you were talking about complacency. Like if you want something, don't be complacent in your current settings. Like you're going to have to step outside of your comfort zone. There were many times where I didn't want to see another book, but without reading the book, I wasn't getting a degree. So, Mm. (laughs) you know, and you already spent money on the degree as well. So that's a factor too, right? So yeah, I'm I'm a huge, you know, advocate for not being complacent at all. Like, mm -mm, no way. Doesn't, not even in my vocab. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I'm going to touch on actually what you just said about going back to school. But before we go there, you mentioned, Mm -hmm. you know, having to get credit in Canada. How did that work? Because you've just got a new job and then you're trying to rent an apartment. Like, what was that system like? So did you rely on like savings? Did you have to show them like your UK bank accounts? I'm the type of person that's friendly with everybody. So... (laughs) My journey is probably going to be a lot different to other people's journey in terms of friendly with everybody where I, I see the end goal in, in, in sight, right? So I just picked a random bank that was near my hotel and I told them, you know, what I had wanted to, you know, what I needed to happen. You know, I needed a bank account and what have you. And that same day I opened my bank account and then apparently I was supposed to have a secured credit card, but a secured credit card in terms of you can only spend what's in your account, basically. So they secure the the card against, you know, the collateral that you have in your your account. But I just got a, a regular credit card. And yeah, I would just use it. And then, you know, obviously just build the credit, pay it back each at the end of each month to just build my credit whilst here. You also need credit to get an apartment. And obviously by that time, I hadn't built any credit. So if you, if you don't have um, credit and you don't have someone who can co-sign for you, then yeah, you, you know, there's going to be very few, if any, people that are going to be, especially rental companies that are going to be willing to rent to you. But my landlord, he was really nice. I explained the situation and everything. And um, yeah, he kind of just trusted me, really. Me and I made sure that I, I was on time and, you know, and I, there was really no excuse because when I moved to Canada I was actually earning more than I was in the UK so you know there was really no and I had nothing to spend it on (laughs) I I, I didn't get a car straight away you know so I found myself in New York every other weekend like you know I just living life there was really no excuse not to yes and that's another thing as well living here you're very central to everything so as you know being my friend I travel a lot you know Mm -hmm. I'm out the country 
every month <laughs> at least if sometimes more often <laughs> so you know being here is very central I, I you know I split my time between here and the states more so and with this remote working as well anybody who's remote working definitely like take advantage of that I just pack up my two laptops and off I go you know and work from wherever I am and so that's really worked out for me I mean you know, be where I am and be able to still take calls and emails and be on Zoom calls and things like that. It's not really interrupted anything, to be Mm -hmm. fair. So you built your credit, you've got your apartment, you've started your new job. Is your new job in the same industry as what you was doing in the UK or did you in the end change? No, I held on and, you know, I wanted to continue with my career, which is another reason why I chose to come here. And I worked in publishing again. So, you know, that was great. Um, I met some great people there. And yeah, like that's another thing as well. When you're entering a workplace, see what everyone does. Know their roles, know their names, smile, right? Because it's going to be to your advantage. If you know what everybody does, you know who can help you with what, you know. And so when I enter somewhere new, I'm always looking. I'm always looking, observing, and I'm listening. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking mental notes. <laughs> who's who? Who can do what? Do you get what I mean? Who, who's whose attitude's a little funny? Who's, you know, who's the gossiper? Who's the, you know, and you know who to 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 cling to and who not to cling to. Like a workplace is just is you have to be so strategic when you enter a workplace, you know. Um, and that's always how I play it. And I think that's what's also enabled me to to kind of work in some of the industries that I have, just because I'm taking those mental notes and I'm I'm knowing who's who basically. And so what type of tasks have you been doing and what type of roles have you done since living in Canada? I've worked in quite a few industries, actually. I was in legal services and a law firm, which is why I went back to get my law degree. And then I worked, ultimately, I worked in publishing first before going into legal services and then automotive. So AAA and CAA. And yeah, it's it's been quite, I'm just trying to remember, it's been so long. (laughs) So forgive me. But yeah, it's quite a few different industries across the business to business and business to consumer side. So I've I've met quite a few people along the way and, and, and enjoyed every, every aspect of it. It's been great. And, you know, when you're different and you're coming in with your, with your accent as well, <laughs> people always want to want to know who you are and what you do. So, you know, mm-hmm. the same thing I'm telling you, I've, I've, I've you know said it a million times before. But no, they're really, you know, Canada is I, I would say it's a, a place of opportunities for, for sure. And, you know, if you're definitely thinking about it, then, you know, explore it. But yeah. I, I would not say just move. <laughs> And not visit first. Definitely visit and see if you can take that minus 30. I'm trying to remember that 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 time. But yeah, my, it hasn't been that cold since, mind you. But then I don't spend all my winter here anyway. So whether it's snowing or cold or whatever, I wouldn't know because I'm not here. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it, get, it definitely gets very cold. Niagara, put it this way, Niagara Falls freezes over. So yes. if that's anything, you know, if that's any consolation, then, then yeah. you know how cold it is. I've experienced <laughs> that Canada winter. Uh, it wasn't as cold as minus there I think it was like minus 13 to 15 but yeah that was uh some serious some serious weather for me boy I was like yeah when I come back I'll visit in the summer because this is not this is definitely not for me <laughs> at all and the summers are nice yeah the summers are extreme it's like Canada the has extreme nice. weather like really hot and really cold winters you were saying earlier that you actually found that you was making more money when you was in Canada versus the UK and is that because you owned your property 
and that was like an income stream for you at the at the time no just salary based here there was just more potential um and I always negotiate I always negotiate I always you know say exactly what I think I'm worth and add tax and then you know we enter negotiations like I said it's going back to what I was saying before if you know if you know what you want and you're confident in in being able to display that and you can walk the walk and talk the talk then an employer will see the worth right and and they will pay you maybe not pay you exactly what you're asking for but they'll be willing to meet you very close to that that figure so yeah for me I I always you know I love that question so uh, what are your salary expectations Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm already equipped with the answer so you know (laughs) I've already researched your client, you know, so um, that's a factor all of that in. And, you know, like I was saying here, I think having education and then having, you know, the experience as well is is definitely, you know, a factor into how they're, how much they're willing to pay you and value you ultimately. I'm always, what would I say, not careful, but basically I would say don't leave a workplace, you know, in bad on bad terms basically if you see the next opportunity for you and it's better than the one that you're at I mean it doesn't even have to be better but if it, if it works for you and you think that you know the next opportunity is going to be best place the best fit for you then then yeah like you know try not to leave where you're at on, on bad terms and that's always kind of helped me as well because I think if you speak to any of my previous employers they would definitely you know sing my praises kind of thing so that that's definitely a factor too because when they check your references you know often mm-hmm. they'll come back and they'll say oh well you know they said you're an excellent writer or you're this or you're that and I'm like you know just smiling like yeah I knew that <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> um, so definitely definitely try not to leave where you're at on on bad terms you know because they're heavy on references here and and um you know education I think what you even spoke about in terms of the salary negotiation that's something that's a conversation I've had in previous episodes but again I think that's something that needs to be taught more because I find not many people have confidence to ask for better salaries and especially for women because again you know there's a lot of research on the pay gap and there was a big movement on that and again even as for ethnic minority groups that's an that's another factor as well often feeling like you don't have the rights to ask for what you deserve and what what you think that you should be getting for your skills so I think that's something a conversation I need to have in another episode and really go into detail with that because you're probably one of the few people in terms of like my friendship group that have always had that confidence in negotiating your salary and even just telling me you know yeah I asked for this and even ask for more than they've advertised and I'm just like what like especially when we was younger I'd be like how did you do that but again I think (laughs) more people isn't even though you had the confidence in yourself to do that but I think that's not often an open conversation so that people do go in there with the you know the, just like the ability and the confidence to hold that conversation and not feel apologetic for having it and I think it's important especially now a lot of companies are downsizing offices their people are working from home but salaries are still low when overheads are now not a big factor for them, I think that needs to be reviewed. Like salaries need to be looked at. We're at home, we're using our electric, we're using our internet. You know, we have rent to pay now. Our rent is also rent for my new work office. So I think that's like, you know, something that we need to talk about more 
and give people the right kind of tools to be able to negotiate in a in a positive way and also understanding actually is that salary too much for that type of job role because I think there's education in it as well not like to disregard certain industries but knowing that actually within that industry, mm-hmm. you probably won't see 60,000 it's not re- realistic but mm-hmm. then maybe in this industry you would mm-hmm. so it's having that also education in it um, that you just don't go into an interview and like, right, I want 50k and the job's not really like it's a junior role or something. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? So <laughs> <laughs> it's having that knowledge base. But just touching on you said you went back to school. Please, yeah, go into detail on that because you mm-hmm. went to school, you went back to do your law degree as a master's, but you did it in London and yet you lived in Canada. How did that work? So I had my eye on going back to do my getting my my law degree like you know many years before but there was just always something like you know move to another country or you know there was just always and then I was traveling a lot and I still am traveling a lot so I'm just like "Mm." it was just always on the back burner Mm -hmm. until I decided right it's kind of a now or never situation and I was working within the legal industry at the time so it you know liaising with lawyers and and writing for lawyers ultimately um I just thought okay this is going to be something that's going to add to my career and ultimately add to my profile if that makes sense like in terms of you know when you're going into negotiations or whatever it may be and I wanted it you know it was kind of it was an achievement for me I I I just wanted it to be honest um, like I said before I did my media and advertising degree I wanted to do law and I kind of at the last minute steered in the, another direction but it never um it never left my mind kind of thing um So for me, I was hell-bent on going back to UK to do it. Um, And I got into university um, and I quit (laughs) my job here. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go back to England for this amount of time. I'm going to knock it out. And then I'm just going to resume life back in in Canada again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not (laughs) what worked (laughs) out. I got to England reluctantly. So, so I packed up my, my, my stuff. I um, moved everything into New York uh, where my family is. Um, and I put everything in storage there. And then, um, you know, I had some time to just do my own thing, you know, stuff I d- don't normally have the time to do kind of thing. Um, reluctantly left to go back to England. <laughs> um, got there and I just it just didn't feel at home anymore it just you know it didn't feel at home anymore but I said to myself okay you're here for a reason I I didn't even let people know I was there like you know maybe five people knew I was in England and my goal and I didn't post it on social media nothing my goal was just to 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 be in and out be done basically and then you know then perhaps I'll post it and I'll be like yeah I was there you know (laughs) but I'm not there now um but yeah it just it really just didn't feel like home I just couldn't get comfortable there like it was raining all the time and I was just like this is not how I remembered it I'd been away for a few years already and I was like you know I I can't I, I just can't and I tried and I just I couldn't do it um so I spoke to my university and I said to them, hey, look, like, can I finish out this semester here? Um, and then, you know, can it be arranged that I do the rest of the course back home? Well, yeah. I, well, England's not home. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's not I home. Think Canada. Yeah. People who are getting confused, like, home is <laughs> home. Um, well, no, England is still home, but you know what I mean? Like, you know. Um, so, yeah, I spoke to the my university and, you know, they were kind of, on the fence about it originally um but I think we kind of we were able to meet 
you know meet in the middle basically and and do something that would work for for the both of us um so I had I had exams and I you know I still did exams and I still did my um my essays and things whilst in the UK and attended lectures and things like that and then they arranged for me to take my exams um at the British Council in Toronto so yeah that's how I was able to kind of finish out the course um here because I had my exams just like everybody else I had my exams you know the same questions same paper same everything but it was just me in the room me and the invigilator in the room basically and yeah that's how I was able to to kind of um finish out the course here but I did most of it in the UK so I think I only had maybe I think it was maybe three or four classes or what do they call them modules or you know whatever you want to call them I only had maybe three or four to do here um but most of I was actually almost finished because the second semester you take on most of the load in the first semester and the second semester um you're really focusing on your dissertation so I was able to take those few exams here at the British Council yeah and what made you choose to actually come back to the UK to do the the, do, the masters rather than do it in Canada there's a few factors cost is one simply because you know going to school in North America is extremely expensive I have cousins who have loans in the region of like 100k basically so going to school here isn't cheap yeah I think I just I knew that I could get the same education without having to pay international fees at a UK institution, then it was kind of like a no-brainer. If I had to be uncomfortable for a little bit and go back, then to me, it, you know, that trade-off was was fine with me until I got there, of course. <laughs> that trade-off was fine with me. And, you know, I said, okay, cool. It's not forever. Do you get what I mean? Your, your things are still here. You're going to come back to your things. But, you know, for now, you need to put your life on hold so you can get this degree. Yeah. And would you would you advise someone then that's considering moving abroad, especially to work, to change their passport to dual citizenship? Or do you think it's a good idea? Because, again, you said you were able to access education in the UK because you're a citizen of the UK Mm. versus if you obviously wouldn't, it would have been a lot more expensive. Is that kind of some of your reasonings for not doing that? really I mean I wouldn't pay international fees in either country because I I live here um this is this is home so I wouldn't have to pay international fees here and obviously I wouldn't pay international fees in the UK so I mean yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't say you have to become a citizen or a permanent resident to to kind of do the things you want to do once you've moved to another country does it help yes um it does because then it means that you're not thinking about time constraints in terms of usually when you get a visa it's for a a timed period it's for a certain amount of time right so you're not thinking about having to renew something or you know when you go and get your health card or you know you sign up to all the kind of services that you may need you're not having to kind of show them that document to say yeah you know I've got two years or I've got three years or however long your your visa is so I mean in that respect it's probably a good idea if you're eligible of course because there's so many different components that goes into that but if you are eligible to do so then then yeah you know I I would definitely recommend it but not for education purposes you know Mm -hmm. and and I think also it depends on what country you're coming from Mm -hmm. if, if you know what I mean because England is still a westernized country so anything I can do here I can do there and vice versa Mm -hmm. you know but obviously the costs associated with whatever it is I want to do vary they differ right so I think 
that's really the only thing that you should probably look at and then you know look at your own kind of personal settings and see what's conducive to your situation what's what's going to help you and what what makes sense for you and for me it made sense live either place and it not be a kind of huge transition if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean if you have the opportunity to kind of get situated like that in the country that you've moved to then then by all means do so I mean some people move from you know maybe third world countries whereby doing things here is the only option or the better option if you, mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense so it really just depends on where your your original base was and then you you can you can kind of weigh up the options and decide what works for you yeah so it's doing I guess it's about doing your homework like you said not just kind of uprooting yourself without mm-hmm. doing any research and a bit of preparation just in, in, to ensure that you can make things as smooth as possible because again you're already battling with being in a new place so naturally there's going to be things that aren't the same as where you're coming from so trying to equip yourself as much as you can makes makes sense to me anyway so so if you could just summarize like what your top tips would be for someone that's you know looking at it could be changing even career going into a new country but either way they're they're thinking about moving abroad and looking for work and so forth kind of what would be some of your your top things that you wish you knew before you made your transition over firstly I'm always going to say do it People come to me all the time and ask me about, oh, how did you move to dinner country? Or why did you do that? Or they always have questions in mm-hmm. surrounded, you know, the move. And, you know, then they often transition to, to telling me, you know, oh, I wanted to do that or I would like to do that. or And I always say, do it. Like, what have you got to lose? But I think my top tips would definitely be, yeah, don't do what I did and just move, <laughs> move, decide you're moving into a hotel and just be like, all right, cool. It's going to, it's going to come together, you know, because like I said, it's that week three, I was definitely worried for real. Like I was like, Mm-mm. you know, I, I don't know. I don't know who I thought I was here. <laughs> and then on top of that, not having anybody to kind of share the experience with, do you get what I mean? Like literally the workers like the cleaners when they came every day it would like it might be the same lady for a week and then I might not see her for a week and then I'll see her again you know in two weeks time and you know she'd be like mm, you're still here <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what are you, what are you still here like what are you doing here uh, not in a rude way but she's mm-hmm. like when she opens the door in the morning she sees me laying in the bed on the laptop she's like oh like you're still here you know or they, they'll bring me extra extra stuff like extra snacks and stuff like that I don't know if they felt sorry for me (laughs) but you know ultimately they became my friends almost like because they're the ones that are up during the time that I'm up you know Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean if you can definitely do a little bit more research in terms of actually visiting the country for a period of time and being sure that that's where you want to be then yeah I would definitely say do so so we just came on a whim and we just looked around and left after day three, you know, and after day three of being there, I feel like I'd come too far in the process to now turn back, if that makes sense. Even though I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit by saying do it, I'm just saying, you know, do as much research as you can before you move so that, you know, it's not so hard on you in terms of having to give yourself that time limit and say okay I need to do this that and the other some of these things you could probably do before you even leave wherever you've come from initially right Mm -hmm. so in terms of uh, maybe looking for a job the world is so like the way the world is set up now it's just so amazing how everybody's having to kind of adjust during the pandemic and how you know 
so many people now are working from home and jobs you never would have thought, you know, would allow you to even work from home. People are working from home thing yeah. instead of trying to do all of it at once. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just, just plan, 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 plan. Mm-hmm. I didn't do so much planning. I didn't admittedly, but you know, I do love a good plan now. In, would I do it that again? Would I do it that the way I did it how many years ago? Would I do it again now? No, definitely not. Mm-mm. I don't like stress. <laughs> so no, I'm going to make sure that I have some. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that I have some, you know, I've planted my feet or planted some seeds, you know, in the place that I'm going before I go. Do you get what I mean? I'm not, I would never do that on a whim, but then I'm older now. Do you get what I mean? So, you know, arguably be a bit of fear, I know more now than well. I did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but I love a bit of fear though, so... <laughs> I love a bit of fear, you know. I, was, I remember like the first time. I think I asked you when we um we we drove to New York, and then I wanted to go again, and I was like, "Oh, do you think I should drive by myself?" And you were like, mm, "I don't think you should do that drive by yourself." But the following week, I was in that car at four a.m. driving by myself to, mm-hmm. to New York. So I love a bit of fear. I'm the wrong person to ask, you know. If you're feeling scared about doing something, I'm going to tell you do it and worry about the consequences later. So. <laughs> <laughs> So you heard it there, guys, you know, if you are considering changing location, looking for a new job, especially as we're coming into 2021, 2020 has been um, an unusual year. But for me, I believe that, you know, there's still hope for brighter tomorrows and we can still plan for our future. So definitely do your homework. If you're in the position, try and even go out there and, you know, live there for maybe three months, six months, you know, to try and get a feel, you know, I I watch a lot of things on YouTube about people that, you know, transition their career abroad. And they often say, if you can be in the position to transition slowly, so you go in increments, it is, it is better. But again, if your situation isn't conducive and you, you need to make the move, ultimately it has to be your decision, but just try and do your research. And again, there's so many countries now that are offering actually working visas for people that are freelancers mm-hmm. to come into their countries and work. I know Barbados was doing a big movement on that, you know, and I mean, who wouldn't want to work in Barbados? Like, Jamaica. Jamaica, exactly. So there's a lot of places, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know, you watch a lot of videos on YouTube and they call us the diaspora. They keep calling the diaspora to come home. So you know, whether that's Africa or the Caribbean, definitely look into a, an opportunity to try something new, a new adventure. So, yeah. So, Nadine, if anybody would like to contact you or find you, are you available on the socials? Yes, I'm not as active on it as, you know, as as maybe I should be being that I'm in that industry. But <laughs> I promise to, to get to you at some point don't kill me um so yeah my instagram is nadine v thomas and yeah that's really the only platform i use i used to have twitter back in the day but yeah i don't really have much to say these days (laughs) twitter yeah you gotta have things to say I, i struggle with twitter actually more than instagram but um there you go guys if you need some tips and advice or you know you just want to drop Nadine some questions you can find her on her IG and don't forget to follow at it's CC podcast on Instagram and Twitter although yeah Twitter I'm gonna try and do better and again check out www.careercoachme.co.uk if you are looking for a career coach you want a safe space to discuss 
your career goals so it's been fun i hope you've taken some some real gems i think every episode i say that but i'm just always like i feel like i'm just <laughs> taking in so much like knowledge and it's even inspiring and empowering me as well so i hope you've enjoyed this episode and until next time guys 